Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Phoenix Rods, an angler's choice out of San Diego, California. Today's guest is Phil Dutra. Um, Phil just took second at the FLW at the Delta. And he was a previous guest. Uh, I wanted to give him his own episode since uh, me and a couple other guys were kind of trashed on the round table for the Delta. I kind of went back up and did a couple people on their own. Um, I did Phil. I did um, Jeremy as a co-host with Don Osborne from Swim Bay City. That was a great one. Um, I also did Josh Paris. That was a really good one. He was a great interview. And I did Bobby D and uh, Danny Delamarte from uh, the Delta. Bobby does the baits, and we had a great conversation. It was all really good podcast. Super stoked on how they came out, and thanks to everyone for uh, hosting it up there. Thank you to Caesar for hosting us up there. Danny and Caesar for taking me out. Um, had a heartbreak on the on the Tiny Clash. Probably would have been my PB, but hook broke, so is what it is. Uh, but I did catch some fish. It was a lot of fun. Delta is an amazing place. Thanks again, uh, Caesar and Danny, for taking me out and showing me what you can do there. That's great. Uh, here's a quick piece from Angler's Choice. Known for its rich tradition in sport fishing, San Diego is home to the world-famous long-range fishing fleet. It's also home to San Diego's premier fishing tackle store, Angler's Choice Tackle. Located in the alpha position on Rosecrans Boulevard, a surface irons cast from Point Loma, Fisherman's, and H&M Landings. Angler's Choice owns the title as the largest Daiwa dealer in Southern California. Packed wall-to-wall, floor-to-ceiling. Whatever you're searching for, Angler's Choice has it. Whether it's super hot new Daiwa Saltiga lever drags, the BGMQ saltwater spinning reels, the legendary Lexa Tatula Arzillion baitcaster reels, the super reliable Fuego LT and the ballistic LT spinning reels, the seaboard reels for kite and deep drop are the new electric reel covers. AC has them. If you're looking for the hot new Daiwa Zakana jigs are the J-Braid and J-Floro, they got them. Daiwa's new tackle barn, travel bags, travel packs, travel rods, got them too. Everything you need, Angler's Choice has it. Not to mention the nicest and most knowledgeable staff around. Stop in and check them out at 1910 Rosecrown Street in San Diego and follow on Instagram at Angler's Choice Tackle. And remember, as always, to support your independent tackle dealers, the lifeblood of our sport fishing community. Please check out the Patreon. Um, this is your last chance to get in on the 86 Bates Doom Riders. This is the Gizzard Chad. Thank you again, Matt Hom, for supporting the podcast. Greatly appreciate it, buddy. Um, check out the, the uh, website. We have hats, shirts up, and uh, if you order something, you get a sticker now. So it's kind of cool. We have stickers as well. And please subscribe on YouTube and give us five stars on iTunes if you could. Greatly appreciate that. And thanks for listening, guys. Bye.
glasses on, you know, I'm like blind. These are it's prescription fine. Don't, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's cool. If I put them on, or whatever, you can put them on. I'll give a it's shit. It's because I want to see. If not, it's all. <laughs> You're good. not a stoner. No, no, that I don't. I don't smoke. <laughs> um, so hey guys, we're back with Phil Dutra. Um, I thought I would do a little bit of a, a redo with these guys because we got pretty trashed on the last one. Well, not Phil, but everyone else in the room except Phil and uh, Bobby D. So uh, I wanted to kind of break down with him a little bit about his uh, history. And not only that, I wanted to talk to him about his second play finish in the FLW. He's done a lot after that podcast. You've done a couple great tournament finishes. So I guess talk about your history a little bit, tournament fishing, and then talk about your last two finishes since we've been on the podcast. Okay. Uh, yeah, tournament fishing. Um, started tournament fishing, let's see, I'm 33. So shoot, 16 years ago, uh, primarily all on the Delta up until a year and a half ago, I started branching out i did all the pro-ams at uh the wild west pro-ams i did uh flw at clear lake last year and on the delta and uh just and now i'm in the apex as well uh, since last time we talked last time we talked um we were talking about it but we hadn't started it so we've mm-hmm. had two apex events since then um so this year i'm doing uh the the apex there's 30 guys on the whole entire west coast that are uh, a part of the apex which if you want to talk about that later we can i'm doing the wild west uh, set of pro-ams i'm doing the mlf so is the apex the same as wild west i'm not yeah uh good question so it's owned by wild west but it's a different uh it's kind of like how mlf owns the bass pro tour and then the big five tour in the toyota series yeah. so wild west has their traditional pro-ams which anybody can fish they i think they cap it at 150 um, and then they have their apex which is the top 30 guys at least from their circuit on the west coast uh completely different format um, extremely cool. And if you want to talk about that later, we can, because, yeah. uh, I had so much fun fishing apex more than I thought, like way more than I thought. So it's a completely different format, no practice, no pre-fish. There's two different qual- ways to qualify for the final day. Um, it's, it's, uh, a couple thousand dollars per entry fee. There's hundred over a hundred percent payout. It's phenomenal. Really cool. Fish small lakes, not the traditional clear lake Shasta Delta. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then, yeah. So then, then, then there's the wild West. Uh, traditional programs, and then there's the MLF, and then also the One Bass. So I'm doing all of them. I'm doing everything, um, and plus a bunch of Delta tournaments. So yeah, tournaments, a tournament um, kind of history goes back 16 years. Um, I don't know how much you want me to get into detail of it, but all the detail, bro. Come on. Okay, so uh, you're asking. So you know, uh, one nine angler of the years on the on Team Delta stuff. So it's not like it's. You know, Who was your partner most of the time? Uh, so I fished with Harvey Pulliam for, I think, six or seven years, uh-huh. um, who's obviously known as a Delta Hammer. He just won the Wild West Pro-Am uh, in March. I top 10 there, but uh, he won that one. And then I fished with uh, Nick Nero for two years. Uh, a lot of people know him as well, Hammer. Um, and then I had a couple other partners in between, my good buddy Mikey, um, my buddy Dominic. And then uh, the last five years I've been fishing with Mike Andrews, who's uh, also a mega hammer. He's known people have known him for 25 years. He was fishing when I was in diapers. He fished um, with uh, Danny's dad, right? He used to fish okay. with Bobby Delameter. Right. Correct. Yeah. Um, and that's my current team partner. And then obviously I do all the pro-am stuff. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I've had a really good Delta career and now I want to take that. Um, I, I, w- I had a five-year plan to take that West coast and fish five years on the West coast. See how I, f- I kind of ended up. And then depending on how that looked, maybe, go back east that is now shortened to a two-year plan and i'm actually trying to qualify to go back east immediately i'm hoping by next year i'll qualify to fish the uh, mlf big five 
Um, and then I'd like to fish the BSS opens and qualify for the elite series. So that's the path that I'm on. Um, and this year started off really strong so far. So the BSS opens, you have to fish the whole series, right? Yeah. You know, and honestly, I don't know all the details yet. Um, I, I know some of the details right now. My main focus is qualify for the big five tour, which is MLF owned is you're fishing for five big ones. So it's not the Bass pro tour where you're catching unlimited. Um, but you're still paying 5,000 per entry fee, hundred thousand per first place, 150 guys, they cap, you have to qualify. Um, but so it's basically the elite series by MLF. Yeah. But if I'm fishing for five, um, and that's the way I like to fish, I think the elite series is, um, how would you say it? I guess at the top, if you're fishing for five, Yes. You know? so, um, so that, so my goal is MLF big five. And then as I'm doing that, try to qualify to move over to the elites, but at least be in the big five where I'm fishing mm-hmm. back East for big money, um, the whole deal. So, yeah, so that's the plan. Um, so far, so good. Uh, first event took second uh, last week, which we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, yeah. But I got to be in the top 10. Technically, you got to be in the top five uh, in the points, and then they'll invite you to go back east. But generally on the West Coast, uh, they'll go they'll go all the way back to 10th if five guys before that won't take the invite. And a lot of guys don't because they live here. They have their careers here, their family here. They won't, you know. So is the, the, the MLF tournament that you get, you're fishing right now, is that like the Opens for Bassmaster? Correct. Pretty it's much called, like they this. call it the Toyota Series. It's exactly what it is. It's okay. the Opens. So if I, yeah, if, I, if I'm in the top, they'll take five guys from each Western, Northern, whatever they have, Southern, Eastern, and Central, and then they have the option to fish the big five tour next year. Okay. And then in the big five tour, you can like some of the elite, when I say elite guys, not elite Bassmaster elites, but like the, the MLF elite guys, they fish both. They'll fish the big five tour. Like my buddy, Justin Lucas, he fishes the Bass Pro tour and then the big and five, fish the, okay. the big Great, five. Yeah. So what I'm in is essentially one step below that, the Toyota series, which qualifies you to get there. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so in the Toyota series that you're fishing, do they go like, anywhere other than this area or is this kind of like the area they're working on uh well so they generally do three tournaments a year usually it's either like shasta delta clear lake or havasu delta clear lake um for the last shoot as long as i can remember those are kind of the main lakes that Mm -hmm. are generally in it i think they may have had an orville in there one time but it's usually shasta delta clear lake and then every couple years they'll switch it up with havasu um so this year it actually really plays to my strength because it's they had to reschedule shasta um, because they closed the lake due to the Corona. So it went, instead of Shasta, Clear Lake, Delta, it went Delta, Delta, Havasu. Because <laughs> Clear Lake got rescheduled because they're worried about water yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. So now I have two on the Delta, uh, or, and we've already had one, which I took second in. So I, How do you, how does that play in for you, for Havasu? Have you fished Havasu a lot? I've only fished Havasu one time in January, 12 years ago. Um, but Do you feel like it's, it's since there's a river system kind of somewhat... I don't know if there's tides. Is there tides that have a Not tides, but there's a river, and all I care about is there's grass and there's largemouth. So, uh, actually, honestly, I love fishing water bodies of water um, that don't have grass. And uh, so, and, and we can even tie that into talking about Apex, because Apex, is. I was really excited to fish it for this reason. It's teaching me to fish bodies of water that I've never fished instantly, because Apex, there's zero practice, 100% off How does, uh, and where, how about the areas on Apex? Like, so have you gotten out of your comfort zone? You know what I'm saying? Like, where you're comfortable with Shasta, you're comfortable like within a five hour, three hour uh, radius around here. Have you gotten out of your comfort zone where you've gone to a lake where you've totally have no clue anything about? Yeah. So great question. So uh, remember a year and a half ago, before a year and a half ago, I pretty much only ever fished the Delta and occasional clear lake for a TOC, uh, Shasta a handful of times. And that was it. So last year was my 
I guess you could say my rookie season for fishing everything. And um, I had a phenomenal year. I had a top 10 at Shasta, top 10 at Clear Lake, top 10 at the Delta. So for me, it was a it was even an eye opener for myself because you wonder like how could I do with these other fisheries? Yeah. Spotted bass, you know, no grass, uh, January, you know, all these things. And so you wonder could I do good? Could I? You don't know, right? And so um, last year was phenomenal. I like I said, I top ten in January um, at Shasta Maloney's. I was like sixty fourth out of one hundred and fifty, but I felt really good because I I had a five pounder that. If I put it in the boat, I'm in the top 10, but I didn't, <laughs> but, but I felt like, you know, you yeah, have the no, fish, yeah. but I had the bites to know that I was doing the right thing. And then top 10 of the Delta. And then I went to Clear Lake and I uh, had a fifth in the new gen TOC and then a top 10 in the FLW five days later. So it gave me so much confidence for myself. Like, okay, I, I can do this. I can compete at bodies of water that I've never or barely ever fished with two or three or four days of pre-fish against mm-hmm. local guys. Right. And that's kind of the test for going back East, right? If I'm going to go back East, I'm going to fish all these lakes I've never seen there and they're massive. They're way bigger. So the only thing that in my head, I think is like, um, they're different, uh, styles. So like I had Keith, he was a big swim bait guy from back East. They're fishing the hydrilla. Like it's a completely different, like eight foot, the deepest part of 20. Mm. So it's like a completely different thing. So like, have you tested yourself in that? Yes. Way yet? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know so, what I'm saying? Kind of uh, like great, great question. Yeah. So Shasta is spotted bass, massive fluctuations, okay. no, gra- no grass. The, the lake fluctuate, it could fluctuate two feet a day, right? Um, you can go up there and then it's six months later, you go up and it's 50 feet lower than it was before. So I fished that, um, felt good. Top 10 there, uh, Lake Mead, the U S yeah, open. Yeah. I fished that last year. Um, I had an okay finish. I think it was like 80th out of 250. Not great. Not horrible, obviously. So I always break it down. I think we talked about this last time too. You know, there's, you want to win it. You want to be top 10. You want to cash a check. And then I want to be in the top 50%. That's kind of the way I break the four segments of, of positioning. If I'm worse than 50th, but that, that's your plan. Like as a, as an angler, like you're trying to be a tournament angler. Like these are my four things I have to hit each tournament. Yeah. That's what like I want to win. But the, the bottom, the, the, the top goal is winning. The bottom goal for me is top 50%. And I know that some people might say, well, that top 50%, but if you're going to go back East and compete for a living and you're going to go to seven different lakes, you've never been, and you're fishing against, you know, Justin Lucas and Kevin Van Dan and Mark Daniels and all these guys, uh, if your worst finish is 50th percent, you're going to have amazing, a, ph- right? you're going to have a phenomenal <laughs> year, right? Like you're going to have a phenomenal year. So, so could you, if you do the, the big tour mm-hmm. and either one of them, uh, and you finish the fifty percent. You think you can make like make it? You know, I I do. I did think, you do the math like with the money? Like be like, you know, what I'm saying like, yeah. I would go and be like, okay, what is this? What is fifty taken out of two hundred? Okay, this Correct. this you know like math. So I'm very fortunate and blessed in that I'm move I'm moving back east regardless, um, and I'm bringing with me my career. So my career is very special in that um, it's able to support me, but it also labels allows me to fish a lot. Um, because it's kind of intertwined. The majority of my clients are bass fishermen. So I'm not, a lot of people go out there, they quit their job. I have some of my clients and really good friends of mine that have qualified. They're going back there. They put it all on the line. Like they quit, like Mark Daniels, when he went back, he quit his job. It was like, this has to work because if it doesn't, I quit my job and I moved back to Alabama and he made it work. So for me, um, I get to keep my career and still keep my income, but I can move back there because as long as I have a cell phone and a laptop, I'm good. Yeah. So I'm, I guess you could say maybe I have a little more leeway where I don't have to like have to, I don't have two years where I'm going to run out of money or anything like that. So I'm fortunate in that, in that regard. Um, but yeah, I've done the math and you know, I want to compete. I want to win. I want to be the best. I also know that, uh, there's a learning curve. 
Um, just like there's a learning curve on the West Coast for me, um, there's going to be a learning curve going back fishing lakes that are 80, 90 miles long that I've never fished. You get two days of practice, and you're going against the best and the best and the best and the best that have fished those lakes for 20, 30 years. So you're going to have to figure it out right now. There is no, there's no, oh, well, if I get five years, I mean, you know, that that's, I, I want to compete. But you're like, what's your age right now? Uh, 33. You don't have five years to fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like. You got to do it now. It's like, I, there's no choice. There's no you know choice. What I'm saying? Like, yeah, I feel good. I feel confident. And you know, the confidence is a huge deal. And that's, I can honestly say I didn't have the confidence a year and a half ago. I had the confidence on the Delta cause that's what I fish. That's what I'm known for. But going to the lakes and then this last, you know, 16, 18 months, I'm like, wow, like I, you know, I can compete with these guys and I can actually, you know, make top tens and, and do really well. Um, on bodies of water that I've fished three days in my life. Um, and so that, that's been really encouraging and, and a big, huge confidence boost um, for me. Um, and then so the, to tie that into the Apex, so the Apex, I know we talked about it a little bit last time, but mm-hmm. we've had two events so far. Um, one was at the Columbia River, which uh, they had to change when we got there because it was like 45 miles an hour, 45 mile an hour winds on the Columbia. And anybody that knows the Columbia, it's massive waves. It's huge. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. So they redirected us to um, the John Day River, which is like a four. A technically, I think it's like seven miles long, but there's really only about four fishable miles of river. Um, there was 32 boats. Never saw the the river in my life. Um, we got to do a 30 minute drive around the day before, um, and then the next day you have you're, you're fishing against 32 of the best guys on the west. When they do the drive around, I'm just wondering do they take make sure you have no rods and so yeah you you can't have any rods or anything i mean they have all the the we we, you know we sign uh a contract basically they can give us lie detectors at any point so and i would be shocked if one of those 32 guys did anything wrong because i'm just wondering i'm just it's just like a fucking idiot question yeah i'm just like hey what i wonder yeah (laughs) no so so (laughs) you know there was obviously the rule is no rods you couldn't even um basically you could drive around you could drop your trolling motor you just couldn't um you know cast you couldn't do anything so you could grab but 30 minutes yeah. I mean, 30 minutes, that's it. It's not so, long. No, <laughs> it, actually, it's a lot shorter when you're actually out there and you look at your your clock and you're like, dang, I just hit one point and I'm 10 minutes in and I got seven miles to go. So, uh, And so, that's, that's doing uh, some research with your points. Yeah, and, and so, yeah, you are okay. able to research public research, just like if I go back east, you can publicly research. Like you have your Navionics chart, you're kind Correct. of... Correct. Like, okay. And you can look online, but you cannot call anybody, you can't talk to anybody, period. Like, there's no exceptions, no guide, no any of that. So... Um, so that event, um, uh, that was interesting. I caught one fish in two days. I wasn't the only one actually, I wasn't even last place with one fish in two days. It was really tough. Um, so not only was it 40 mile an hour winds, the, the few days before we got there, the John day river got blown out. So it was muddy water coming down the John day. We're stuck to four miles. You never fished. It's ice cold. And you know, so it was crazy. But, and the other thing for me is, um, I've fished for largemouth all the time. I've fished for spots the last couple of years. I never fished for smallmouth in my life. Yeah. Um, until this year, I've caught some. Like I've been to Berryessa and accidentally caught one. I've been By to Shasta. Yeah. yeah, an accident, but I've never targeted them. And then the second yeah. event, Apex event was at uh, Almanor. It was an amazing event. It was so much fun. I had an absolute blast. But again, that's smallmouth. It's all smallmouth. I don't think there was a single largemouth weighed in three days. Um, and I had zero history. So I ended up in 24th out of 32. Not great, but. You know, for me, I looked at it as I had zero uh, smallmouth experience. I'd never been to lake. Some of the guys had been there in the past. Um, not that that's an excuse, but um, I had no smallmouth experience. And quite frankly, it's kind of funny. Um, I, like there were some basic things about smallmouth that I didn't even know. <laughs> so I caught one fish on day one. 
I caught six fish on day two because I figured some things out, and I was like, oh, their mouths are a lot smaller than – they're called smallmouth for a reason. So, And these fish there actually had – I talked to some of the people there because you're catching a three-and-a-half-pound smallmouth, and his mouth was unbelievably small. I talked to some people that were like, that's – they're not usually that small, even though they're small. So I was throwing some stuff on day one that was like, dude, these things can't even fit Wouldn't in their you, mouth. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, so lesson learned. Um, but, uh, you know, so so. but what, what Apex is teaching me to do is there's zero practice. Um, I have to do all the research I can online, YouTube, whatever, and then Navionics, all that. But then you get 30 minutes to drive around and look, just visually look, and then it's go time. You got two grand on the line. Let's go right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so – you know what it did, even though I took 24th out of 32 and, and it wasn't technically a great event, I learned a lot. So for me, if I don't do well and I don't learn, that's a horrible event. If I don't do well and I learned a, a ton, that's not the that's not the end of the world. Like I learned a lot. It's going to benefit that's me. Positive it's positive. Well. It's going to make me yeah. money in the future. And so, um, but what it's teaching me to do is get really comfortable, even coming all the way back to the Delta that I fish 200 days a year, probably more than anybody in the last 10, 12 years, is it's teaching me to get really comfortable fishing with no practice or just fishing the unknown because there is no known at Almanor. None. Zero. I have mm-hmm. nothing. I like roll up to a point. I drop my trail motor. I don't even know how deep it's going to be outside mm-hmm. of my Navionics chip telling me, but like, I don't know if there's rocks and yeah. I don't know anything. So, and, and again, I had a decent day too. I caught six fish and, and it was a, it was a good, it was a good experience. So, um, so that I was really excited. Even when I signed up this year for the apex and I committed to it, I said, I told my wife, I said, you know what, regardless of how I do, it's going to make me a better fisherman for going back east. Because mm-hmm. back east, I'm going to get two days to practice on lakes that are 70, 80, 90 miles long. I've never seen in my entire life against guys that fish it for their whole life. Mm-hmm. So you better figure it out. You don't have, like, the Delta. I can fish 200 days a year. I'm not going to have that luxury back there. So that's really helped me. Um, we've only had two events. We have uh, two more plus the TOC if I make it. So I'm really excited just to continue to it, – it's making me think quick, learn quick, fish quick. And I think that's really – um, key because it even played into uh, this event on the Delta. Um, and, and it's just giving me confidence that I've never had. I keep telling my wife, I sound like a broken record. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, babe, I just, I feel like like I'm tired of hearing. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like I have this, I can't explain it, but like, I feel like I'm at this other level that I've never been at. Even when I've won Delta pro-ams and tournaments and angler of the years, but now it's different. Back then it was like, I fished a lot. I found some areas. I used those areas and that's what it was. Now I feel like, which is a hundred percent essential if you're going to be the best in the world or mm-hmm. going back east. Is now I feel like I kind of know what's I know what the fish are doing. Um, I have some ideas where they are, and I'm going to figure out how to catch them on game day. I'm not going into it with these preconceived ideas of like I'm going to catch them on a chatterbait. I'm going to catch them on this. I'm going to I'm I, I literally rig up 25 rods and then uh, and I mentioned this before we started, and I'll give you I don't know if you want to ask a question or anything, but yeah. but the the. I'm living by this this year moving forward. Um, it's kind of my little saying, uh, strategy, versatility, execution. And this is what I go into every tournament trying to perfect. And there's mm-hmm. a lot to each one of those three um, words there. It's, 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 more, it's a lot deeper than just, oh, good strategy, being versatile and executing. But that's really what I am as a bass fisherman or what I'm trying to be and what I'm trying to perfect. And it's really helping me. When you say that um – you did you change your whole method to your like strategy okay i'm gonna sit here apex taught me to do the homework i gotta do the homework were you not doing that homework before you think because you uh, were comfortable great great question definitely not that i wasn't doing the homework i think the, the the word strategy i'm gonna give you a perfect example 
Um, literally the perfect example was this, uh, MLF we just had, I took second in. Um, so I went into the tournament. Um, I, it's, I told like five or six people, even actually Caesar here, <laughs> I told him before the event started, I said, I won't be leading the event on day one. I probably won't be leading it on day two. If I'm going to be leading it, if, if I'm going to win, I'm going to have a mega bag on day three. The reason I said that is, um, me and Ken Moss are, Ken Moss are good buddies. And, uh, we talk about every tournament about how much weight do you think it's going to take to win and if you don't win you're gonna be second for sure right because you never know i mean you could yeah. win with 100 pounds right there's it, it, it's like golf you if you if you know if everybody wins on that course with usually golfing a 60 and you golf a 55 you should win that tournament yeah but it doesn't mean you will but yeah. you should win that tournament 99 out of 100 yeah. times so we were talking we said i think 60 pounds 60 61 pounds is the mark where if you get there you should win the tournament um, and we were right. Uh, I had 63 and I was second, but nobody, the, but I was the, me and first were the only ones to break 60. So 58 was third. So we were right on where we said, if you had catch 60 plus you should win or be second at worst. Mm-hmm. So my game plan to get to 60, and this is the strategy part, right? It, it's not just go out there and do everything and fish and catch everything I can. My game plan was, I felt like I had one day's worth of running a lot of different water that I could catch a mega bag. But I also realized that I could maybe not catch it and bomb. It's the first term of the year. The, the biggest priority, like I mentioned earlier, was making the tour. I can't bomb on day one or two because I could ruin my entire year. Mm-hmm. So my strategy going in, how can I win? Um, and I use this analogy. Uh, I said, but this is the way that my mind thinks. Uh-huh. I use this analogy. I said, if you were a phenomenal boxer and you, you had m- just mad endurance, uh, maybe you weren't the biggest power puncher, but you were a great uh, defender. You had a really good endurance. We were very strategic and you were fighting Mike Tyson in his prime. Would your strategy be going, going and say, I'm going to swing as hard as I can on round one against Mike Tyson. Here's my comparison to that. We're going to talk about Stockton. You're Nick Diaz. There you go. There you go. If you watch MMA, he takes him to the limit. He goes, he does a lot of those 60, 70% jabs. Yes. And he just keeps taking the limit till he can fucking either choke them out or knock them out until they're gas. So until they're gas. And that was your plan. So from what I'm understanding, what you're saying is that I'm going to figure out what I can do for the first and second day. Cause I know I can get a decent bag those On two day days. Three. Yeah. So my strategy, and then day three, yeah. you're going to sm- smash them. And so, yeah. And so it's crazy because it was kind of cool that I told some people this, so they can validate that. It's not like I just had a great yeah. day three and said it, but, but what was cool is I said, and I also had a weight in mind. I, I believed I needed 35. Actually, I even thought it could be as low as 34. On one day? No, no, no. I'm sorry. On two days to make the cut. To make the cut. So my strategy was get to 35. In two days? In two days. Okay. However you get to 35, get to 35. And I even told, like I said, I told a couple people, I said, I don't, as long as I'm 10 pounds down or less, which is a massive deficit, right? 10 pounds is a little huge, but 12, 13, not realistic. But I, but like I said, I said, if I can get to day three, mm-hmm. 10 pounds down or less, I feel like I have a shot to win. And so my strategy going in was get to 34, to th- basically make 10th or better. And I did I actually made 10th by three ounces. I was 10th. I had 36.10, which is actually a little bit more than I thought. It was about a pound and a half more than I thought I was going to need. Mm-hmm. So my strategy on day one is I, 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 I literally fished the Delta not to catch a 30-pound bag. And some people can say whatever they want, but this was my strategy. My best way of winning was not swinging on day one and two because the odds percentage, I always talk about percentages, of me doing it on day one and two may have been low. And I could mm-hmm. have not even been sitting here because I might have been 50th place. So my thought was... Do everything you no, can. No, no, no. You would have been still sitting here just saying. I appreciate because that. it's a more of a, a, like I always say, 
You could have fucking got last place. I'd still have you on because uh, I, I like you. That. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Remember that. that. It's, it's, I if I that. like someone, they're fucking coming on. I so. appreciate it. So, so my strategy was get to 36 and be less, hopefully less than 10 pounds down or less. And I was, I squeaked in. I was so happy when I, when I went home ish and, and Logan hunts were nine pounds ahead of me in first and second, uh, fourth was basically from fourth back. We were all tied essentially worth in the pound. Yeah. And I was like, I was so happy. I was like, I am so thrilled that i get to see i get to go do what i want to do on day three because worst case scenario if i bomb i'm in 10th yeah right on day right? three yeah. worst case scenario i can bomb i can take a great finish get good points and still c- continue on my path forward towards making the tour yeah even with the 10th so i was able to to do that i ran 265 miles in three days i covered <laughs> a ton of water that is so far bro it, it's it, it's <laughs> not that i ran far to one area it's that Every, i ran the entire bam, bam, delta bam, bam. Yeah, yeah. some people it's funny they're like they think they saw me in an area and i caught all my fish and i'm like you don't even realize i was in one area for 45 minutes 30 miles away i was in for an hour 35 miles away from there i was in and whatnot and so that so that my strategy was get to 35 i got to 36 10 and so even on day two so i had 21 on day one so my literally this is how my strategy changed i was like okay i got 21 what do i need to do to get to 36 15 so don't get me wrong i want to catch as much as i can on day two but my goal is 15 okay get to 36 because i can't win if i'm not fishing day three i gotta get to day three to win mm-hmm. period right so don't go out there and swing for the fence and then come in with nine and then don't even make the top yeah. 10 so don't get me wrong i wanted more because i only did catch 15 and a half on day two um and it wasn't a great day but i did what i needed to do and then day three i gotta go swing i gotta get i gotta hit like three different key areas the delta um i gotta do what i love to do it worked out so and, and, and so when i look back at the event as much as I want to win more than anybody I've ever met, um, and I put so much into it, it was not as hard as when I took second last time or some of the other terms because my execution was flawless in three days. My versatility, I weighed fish on probably nine different baits, um, which is the way I like to fish, even versatility in area. I fished the entire delta. So those were flawless, and my, and my strategy was get to 36 and then get to 60, however you got to do that. And that was, my, that was the way I could get to 60 is get to 36 and then weigh Omega back. You won. You won because you want to know why. You made a plan and you fucking executed it. And that's, you know what I'm saying? So like yes, in your head, it's like this worked. It's like when I, whenever I tried it, you try to do something and you go, I don't know if that's going to work. And it worked. Even if you didn't do the best. You figured it out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, yep. that's, that's a, that's a win, dude. Even though second place is great, dude. It, it I mean, is, fuck. you know, I, I you know it's know, not first. Is that you've taken, you took second twice then. In the FLW, I have won two programs in the Delta, but they weren't the MLF FLW. That's the one I really want. I want an English Choice program. I want a one bass program. I've taken numerous top tens in MLF or FLW and all the other programs, but I want that first place MLF slash FLW previously. Yeah. I want that, and I have two seconds: one by one ounce and one by a pound. And do a half. you fish with uh, the uh, Logan one, right? Uh, say that again, Logan one. That's the one, Logan one. Yeah, you you but you talked to Logan. Yeah, I talked. Yeah, uh, yeah. We've we yeah we started talking more in the last cool. couple months. And he's uh, a local. He's a local. Yeah, yeah he's okay. a local hammer. He's a young kid, and he, I think he's How like twenty. He? I think he's twenty three. Fuck man. Yeah, he's a local hammer. What man. a f- that's young. And well, man and you know be. he just lost to Harvey two months ago. He took second by two ounces in the oh, Wild West Pro Am. So you know, like, look, as hard as second was for me. Uh, it was a good kid who's, uh, I call him a kid. He's 23, but good kid. Who's no, that's a kid. You're 30. Yeah. Man, 33. Yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's a hammer. <laughs> he, he took second by two ounces. Hey, it's amazing to me. So they're coming on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, the brothers. Uh, what a story. Dude, there's nothing else you could ask. That's like a, 
perfect story. What a what a better storyline, right? So, oh, and, man, and you know, dude. for like three four minutes after when when they when he weighed in, because I, I actually thought I was going to win. I knew Ish didn't have him. I knew Nick Salvucci didn't dude, have him. That two of those guys, Nick Salvucci. I knew who both. Yeah. Of those were. To beat, I mean, they're amazing English. Yeah. You fucking beat him like it's. That's amazing. Yeah, no, and it was. So and that it, should be feel good, like ish, dude. Come on. When I started fishing ten, I think eleven years ago, my uncle goes, "Oh, Ish Monroe, frog guy, frog. You gotta check yeah. him out. Yeah, yeah. Look at Ish, Ish." I'm like, "All right, cool." So I'd read all of his magazines. I'd be like, "Oh, and I'm fucking old, dude. I'm thirty, you know, years old." Looking at magazines, going, "Oh man, taking the shit." Looking at magazines, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's Ish. I seen Ish, Ish a million times. I'm like, "Fuck, yeah. man." Yeah. To do that, like, I understand. That's one where I'm like, "Oh man, that's a." big accomplishment yeah dude. no it, it is it is um it is i'm i'm not even mad like i said as hard of a competitor as I, ha- I am it's probably the easiest not win i've ever had only because like you said like you said earlier like i executed my game plan per- to perfection i had three more pounds than i wanted than i thought um I-, I didn't lose anything so at the end of the day it's like i didn't well, I obviously didn't win, so I was I didn't win. But I look at it as you can lose a tournament, right? Like if I would have came in with 58 pounds and I told myself 60 is what it needs to win, I'd have said I didn't do enough. Or if I would have lost a key fish, I would have said that was my fault. Or if I would have, you know, not made the right. But it's like when you do everything and you catch 63 and you don't win, is it did I lose or did he just he? It just wasn't my time. Yeah. And so for me. Um, that you know that's it was a little bit easier and like i said he's a great kid uh his brother i mean what a better storyline right or what <laughs> i mean him and his brother Dude. both win that's epic that's so. like a, that's like so so crazy because it's like you're the co-angler especially you're not in control of the boat yeah like who, who's in charge of it like yep. you don't even know another thing is, is like how many so since it's the delta since you're a tidal fishery um how many dudes come up here and actually do good from like not that are from here i think the delta like oof. so everyone that took what top 10 how many even from the delta it's a good usually um don't, i'll have to think about this for a quick second but usually the top 10 on the delta is probably 70 to 90 percent dominated by delta locals um and i'm thinking of this tournament uh you had uh you can kind of say ish is a delta local because not only did he grow up here he still lives basically here yeah he's back east so yeah you can count him as a delta local logan's a delta local myself um uh, even I think Mark was saying is a Delta local. I mean, you can go down the list. And I would say Ken Ma. Uh, oh no, he wasn't in the top ten. But uh, but yeah. The, long story short, it's it's really hard. Probably one of the, if not the hardest place that I know of to come from out of town and make the top ten or do well. And even a lot of my buddies who aren't from here that do well in tournaments at Clear yeah. Lake and Chas, they'll tell you the same thing. They're like the Delta is so hard, and especially now. You know, we talked about it in the last podcast, but the Delta is extremely tough even for a guy like myself who fishes here religiously it is not e- i weighed 15 pounds on day two with a six and a half pounder my day my, <laughs> my yeah but my point is my second biggest fish so i had i had nine pounds for four yeah that's pathetic yeah on the delta right yeah, but right. so so that's my point is like it's not easy i weighed three two pounders and a two and a half and then a six and a half on day two yeah so you look at my day three bag and you're like oh my gosh it's epic and my day one i had 21 pounds i had a good bag but you look at my day two bag and it's like is it that epic when the guy weighs four fish under two and a half pounds yeah is that epic or is that like man you grinded your everything you yeah. knew in your power to catch what you caught so um you know the other so, thing too is the the uh tides so like that's one thing that you have over everyone else too mm-hmm. is like no one's fishing tides. Yeah. No one. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. and to me, like when I talk to them about tides, oh the tide's coming up. 
we're, I fish the coastal shit all the time, so that's what I look at. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a lot of people don't even know how the tides work, right? When they come from, like, a different right. state or down yeah. south, you know? Correct. And, and tides are everything. Yeah. Tides are everything. If you mm-hmm. come to the Delta and you're not paying attention to the tides, you know, you might get lucky and win a tournament, one out of 100, but you probably won't even be heard of the rest of the 99. So, yeah. um, they're everything. They're everything. And there's no question, um, if you come to the Delta... You got to know your, you got to know the tide. You got to know everything about the tides. You have to know, and there's a lot of way to approach the tides, right? There's, there's, do you run the tide? Meaning you like one tide and you chase that tide up river or down river, or do you like certain areas on certain tides? Or are you just going to bank that man? I might not know much, but I know I got one hour in one area and I could catch my whole bag and I better be there on that tide because I don't have anything else. So there, there's a lot of different ways to approach the tide. Um, but it's everything. Yeah. Like if you're not paying attention to it, good luck. You're going to you miss know. it. Yeah. You're going to, yeah. Good luck. Um, so when you go back East and you're going to do the, the fishing, what are you going to take? Like, how are you going to start off? Like, I know you can't fish the lake, uh, every day, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, how are you going to like break it down and go like, all right, uh, I'm going to take the, the, the chip and mark the spots out. You're just going to kind of hit a couple, you know, 10 spots and kind of try to figure them out or. Yeah. Good question. So. I'll say this maybe multiple times because it's truly where I think I excel and what I I'm hoping carries me back east. Um, strategy, versatility, execution. So strategy is doing all your homework, game planning. How much weight does it usually take this time of year? So like right before I ever go to a lake, whether it's you you know wherever Okeechobee or whatever, never been there, but I also could do my history and see like, hey, this time of year this is a good bag, right? Mm-hmm. This time of year this is what makes the cut usually. You know, within ounce or you know maybe a pound or two, whatever. So so you do all your homework. Um, you do all the public research you can. You try to find out the basic areas, right? And then I think, again, what I'm hoping is, so you put the best strategy you can, which which strategy entails research, but then game plan. And then for me, I think what I'm really hoping is my versatility. And I'm, uh, you know, I, I tell everybody. So you really have 25 rods? More. I have 25. <laughs> so so it's funny. So It's funny because on uh, one of the days on this pro-am on the Delta, I rolled up to my first spot. I think I had 14 rods on the deck. And uh, so I fished the first spot for like 30 minutes. And then I'm like, all right, we're heading to the second spot. I open up the rod locker. I put like seven rods away. I pull out like 10 more. And, and you got like, a co-angler that you, yeah, yeah, you don't even, you don't even know. know. <laughs> yeah, I actually, yeah, I knew one of them. He was a yeah. good buddy. But uh, I, pull out, I pull out like 45 minutes in the morning. I put seven rods away. I pull out 10 more. In my, and he's like, oh, my gosh, you're not kidding. You really do. Like, and so this is the truth, honest to God truth. Like I weighed a fish on Bobby D spinner baits. I weighed fish on chatter baits. I weighed fish on crank baits. I weighed fish on Texas rig, Cinco's, um, swim baits, top water, um, drop shot. So, and I think that's one of my biggest strengths. So is, when you do it, like, like for instance, are you tying on like four different drop shots? Uh, depending on what time of year it is. So okay. like, uh, when there's something that's really hot, like I, now I might say that I'm ultra versatile, but if I get a preference, what I like to do, I want to punch, right? So punching is is it's more on the delta right like that's that's the heart of punching the funny thing is I actually only punched one fish in this tournament that i weighed out mm-hmm. of 15 fish and i know most of the guys in the top 10 pretty much punched most of their bags on that on it but uh so so i may say like it's a certain time of year whether i'm throwing a toxic bait swim bait i might have two or three of them on if it's not that time of year where i really like it i might only have one on yeah uh or yeah. if i'm uh if i'm, if i'm uh you know uh dr- if i'm drop shotting <laughs> You know, I might have like right now. I think I had two different ones on. One in the in the rod locker, ultra finesse. If okay. I needed it, one traditional. Um, I might have uh, whatever. So so the point is, um, when you I play th- by the year, yeah. I so you might have year. like fourteen rods on the deck, but four of them are like a swim bait or crank down or whatever. It's got to be 
Because you know that's going to play into that. Correct. Right okay. But when it's not that time of year, you know, like there's certain times of year that I'm like, hey, you know, whether it's summertime on the Delta, it's punching in, in top water. That's 90% of what you do. That's, but that's 90%. So I want to make sure that other 10% that I'm good, whether I need a little crankbait that I'm definitely probably not going to win on, but maybe I catch one key fish. Maybe I make 10 casts the entire day with it, but one is... See, f- that's the crazy thing that I, I, you, you, uh, your brain's going into it and I'm going, fuck. You, you are thinking of every type of fish you can catch. Correct. And so you get there and you go, I might be able to catch a one, a one and a half pound, two pound fish, but I need that. So mm-hmm. I'm going to fucking throw mm-hmm. a little tiny Kitek. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, what did fucking Jeremy said? It's K-Tech. I don't know what the fuck he said. <laughs> Kitech, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. You're going to throw an underspin with a 2.8 yeah. Kitech on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For that little fish. I want to catch. You know what I'm saying? You know what's funny, too? Because, like, especially on the Delta, you'll talk to a lot of guys, and they're like, ah, yeah, it's garbage, two and a half, three pounder. And I'm like, uh, you know guys that win tournaments might weigh. <laughs> like, uh, we, weigh, we took third um, in the Wild West teams out of 130 boats a couple weeks ago. And I think we weighed a two and a half. So a two and a half is valuable. So especially nowadays on the Delta, a three pounder is valuable 12 months a year here. Now, if you have all threes, you're probably not going to win. But if a three is your smallest or your fourth, what if you have a 10, a seven, a five, and two threes? Those two threes are a whole, you know, if you, if you were. And you don't know, that's the other thing. Like I fished tournaments this year, saltwater ones. And uh, I did. Okay. Uh, One, I took third and one was rookie division. And uh, I, we weighed a 15 pound bag sand bass. And I'm like, I don't think we got it, dude. I just don't feel like. We got in, and I'm like, they're like, oh, stick around. I think you placed. I'm like, fuck. You just don't know. You, you don't, don't fucking know. know. You don't so know. So it was like people throw away. I, I caught a couple two-pounders, and I'm like, I just throw them in. I, don't, I, I think we can get bigger, but I don't know. You just don't fucking no, know. No, and let me tell you something. I keep, even on the California <laughs> Delta, and outside of Bobby. But see, Bobby's been gone now for like two years, so maybe yeah. I've ellipsed him on time or, or passed him on time on the water because he's probably the only guy that has put more time in on the Delta. And I don't say that like pridefully just because it's, I fish 200 days a year for 15 years. Right. So, um, Bobby fished more than that, but he hasn't been here for a couple of years. Uh, but anyway, so is mu- I, I only say that because as much as I fish when I, in a tournament, when I catch a two pounder and it's my first fish of the day, I'm stoked it, and I'm not throwing yeah. that two pounder away. I learned a long time ago. I fished with a very good fisherman at Lake Havasu. The one time I fished there in January and it was for a hundred thousand dollar first place it was the national guard and on he made he was killing them and it was really tough day three he caught a 13 inch or he threw it back he's like i'm catching way more than that he weighed four fish that day and he missed the top five cut by like six ounces God. and and so it was a 13 he was catching three pounders all day long but that last day that 13 incher would have made him in the top five and he would have been fishing for 100 grand. i'm sure that happens all the time though. it does yeah. and so for me like even on a delta if i catch a 13 incher or whatever, if it's 12 You're or whatever. Call it. You're going to I'm putting them in the live well. I will measure it on the Delta as much as I fish and as much as I've done it. Like, it matters at yeah. the end of the day. Now, especially a two-and-a-half pounder. Two-and-a-half pounder really matters. Mm-hmm. Three-pounder is like a little gold nugget. And then, uh, you know, you're not going to win if, the, if, that, if that's your biggest fish. But if a three-pounder is your smallest fish, you might be having a really good day. Yeah. On Nowadays, you know, the Delta is a lot different than it was 10 years ago. But... So anyway, going back to that versatility, I feel like I think one of my biggest strengths and what I want to take back east is I feel like I can weigh 30 pounds on a drop shot or on a wake bait or punching or on a frog or on a chatterbait or on a crankbait. And I think for me, that really helps because when I approach any area in a tournament now uh, versus back in the day, now I just am like, okay, I know where some fish are and I know when they like to eat. I know Mm -hmm. the tide when they want to eat. I don't know what I'm going to throw at them t- that day because I don't know. I might have been there three days ago and maybe there were some clouds or maybe there was some wind or maybe there was water was a little clearer. Or maybe it was whatever. I don't know until I get there, but I'm going to have yeah. 25 rods and I know when to throw each rod. And so 
um, you know, I'm going to pick that rod up and go, oh, I haven't thrown this all year, but oh, it's perfect right now for it. And so I can do that. And I think if you're going to compete back east, you can't fish yesterday. You have to fish right now. Yeah. You have to fish the moment, right? And so fishing the moment is not saying, well, I haven't thrown that bait all year, therefore I can't throw it. That's not fishing the moment. Fishing the moment is, hey, I haven't thrown that bait in three years, but man, everything in my body is telling me to throw it because of everything that's lining up. I'm going to throw it. Yeah. And so, because it, you're not just doing it for randomness, you're doing it for reason. And that's where like trusting your gut experience. And it took me years and years and I, I actually fought it for years. <laughs> I bet. Dude. I fought Fuck, it because dude. I used to be the guy that I fished so much and I never fished things like the apex or things out of my comfort zone that I'm not throwing that bait. If I didn't throw that in practice, yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah. Or if I rolled up to a bank and I caught him on a chatterbait the day before, or I found him and then I got there and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's, it's too clear for the chatterbait, but I'm still going to throw the chatterbait. Why am I doing that? Because that's all I knew back then. So now I just, you got to fish your instinct. You got to be ultra versatile. You better know how to do everything, especially in this day and age of bass fishing. Yeah. You better know how to throw, you know, 10 pound test, five pound test, a hundred pound braid, everything in between. Otherwise you're going to miss opportunities. I think the days of being a flipper or being a reaction guy or being whatever, you'll have your moments, you know, you'll have your moments, even on the leads. There's guys yeah. that they're known for like, I'm going to do this. This is what I made my name on. I'm going to do it. But they're probably not the guys who are going to win angler of the year. They're probably not the guys that you're, you're going to know when they're going to do well before the event even starts. You're like, yeah. Oh, they're going to a finesse fishery. That guy's not even, he doesn't even have a chance. Yeah. I don't, I don't ever want to be known as that. I want to be the guy, hopefully that Dude, but, anything, anything. anything. Oh, they're going smallmouth country he can win on a spinning rod yeah. oh they're going flipping you know 50 80 pound braid punching wake baits he can win he can win on you know offshore onshore dirty water clear water current no current and so um so that's i think for me going back and then execution i talk about this a lot with my really close friends I, you know i say this because we're having a podcast you're asking me these questions mm -hmm. not pridefully at all but like i spend Gosh, I don't know how many hundreds of hours I've spent on perfecting perfecting execution on every technique possible. And I'm still like now I might go through a new bait that might be a little bit bigger than I know. And so I'm still trying to perfect. I'm not saying I'm perfect on everything, but I strive to have every detail of every hook, every line, every drag, every rod, everything about every bait of giving me the highest percentage chances of getting that fish in the boat. And I think. A lot of people may think that, but they really don't do it. You talk to a lot of people, they lose a lot more fish than they should. So there's the fish that you are going to lose because uh, it gets wrapped around a tree and there was nothing you could have done. Out of your control. Out of your control. Mm -hmm. But then there's fish you lose at the boat or it jumps or your drag or your, your hook's bent out or your line snapped or uh, it came off when you were fighting it or you, you barely, you know, all those things have to do with line uh drag rod sensitivity or the, you know the parabolicness of a rod or not um the, the hooks you're using the way you're fighting the fish uh, what angle is your rod at how are you setting the hook on it are you sweeping right so i like and again i'm not saying i'm perfect by any means but i take i, I feel like if i can because and i think i said this last time too how many tournaments is there three to ten guys who could have won that event most tournaments there's yeah. it's rare that one guy ran away with it where nobody had a chance right most events somebody wins and there's another five guys who lost the fish that they could have won if they would have caught their fish right but they shouldn't have lost it or, or and again there's the there's the there's the two columns there there's out of your control and in your control and i believe there's way more in your control than most people think i talk to a lot of people who say well that was out of my control and it really wasn't it was in their control and so i really try to perfect every bite that i ever get getting it into the boat do and you do you take notes on this i take notes i and i'm a do you have a notepad like i do oh I, cool. at home you're the at first home. fucking dude at home i've entered i've talked to 
that actually fucking takes notes. Cause I go, I'm not good at like remembering stuff. I remember like if I go, Oh, work a drop shot or something this way, but all the little tiny things like you're trying to perfect a bait, you're going to want to take notes and be like, when I put this drop shot on with this weight yes. and it's tungsten, I need a liter of this much. I need to, you know, like, yeah. Shit and like dude, that. like, so it's funny. Cause anybody that knows me will tell you every tournament that I go to period, like everyone, I'm the last guy up. And it, unfortunately it's, it's, I don't enjoy it because I get less sleep. If it's raining, like, you know, we get off the water at four and then you're in a, you're at clear lake or whatever. And you're retying for the next day. I kid you not. Most people are done. They're going to get dinner at seven. I'm in my boat at 12 o'clock at night. Still. Not time, and and but you know what? It's crazy sometimes. I and it sometimes it's frustrating myself. But then when I think back and I'm like, but this is why, this is my strength. Even though it's I, I, I it's frustrating. I mm-hmm. want to go to bed, man. I got to be up in four hours. It's raining. It's cold out here. I'm freezing. Yeah, but I will, and I will sometimes look at a rod, and a line and a and a hook in my line, and I will bend and bend and bend that rod, and I'll look at that hook, and for 25 minutes I haven't even tied anything, and I'm just like. Especially if it's something that I don't, maybe it's a bait that's a little bit different than I usually throw because mm-hmm. I throw so many different baits. And I'm like, should I go with this rod? Should I go with this rod? Nope. That, that hook, though, is slightly this or whatever. And, and, but here's the beautiful thing. When I wake up the next morning and I step in my boat and I idle out, I never, ever, question ever question or have any. I never am the guy that's like, I should have retied. I should have put a fresh hook on. I did it all. So the least the good news is when I go out and I'm fishing for big money or small, it doesn't matter what it is. I don't yeah. care if it's a small tournament. When I start that motor the next day, there is no, geez, I, I hope I don't break my line because I didn't retie that line or whatever. No, everything is brand new hooks on everything I use the day of the tournament. And that's frustrating. You know how 25, 30 different, a lot of times I use 25 rods, but I have 35 rigged up. Every hook will be brand new. At not every line. I'm not respooling every line, but I do keep a log on every one of my reels when the last time there was line on it. And at, at minimum, I'll cut 10 feet off of every, you know. So yeah. there's so much prep, but that goes into execution, right? You know. So do you, do you have a rod sponsor? Not really. Um, I've so had this some. is the, my question to you since you don't. Okay. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, Not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. You cannot execute what you want on one rod company. Amen. So I'll say this. Um, Phoenix has treated me really good. What did uh, you say? What company? Phoenix has treated me really good. As a, this as podcast a, is sponsored by Phoenix. It's our title sponsor. Thank you, Phoenix Rods. Thank you. Vince Hurtado's... <laughs> Vince Hurtado. Vince, Vince Borges. Vince Borges. Vince Borges. I don't know so many Vince's. Vince Borges has treated me really well. Um, and he takes care of me. And, um, I, you know, I'd be lying if I told you I only throw Phoenix Rods. I do throw a lot of Phoenix Rods. And I love what the do you, Rods. What series do you throw? Um, Fresh so, water. So, so I throw... So here's the funny thing. Uh, 
and technically I, I was sponsored by Phoenix. And again, I, I would still say they're a phenomenal rod. And, and again, I, I, cause it's a weird predicament because they took care of me and I used all the rods, but I realized at one point, um, that, that I, it doesn't matter what rod company Phoenix is phenomenal. I use probably more of their rods than any other one rod, mm -hmm. but there's no one rod company who makes the best of every technique. It's just, it's just not out. It's just, it's not really even possible. See, the cool thing is you're being truthful. Try to always Do you be. know what I'm saying? Like be. the truth be told, it's like you'll never find the perfect rod company that builds every rod. No, th it's not even close. Yeah. If you named, I bet you, I'm not even kidding. The only rods that I don't own, and I'm not even saying these are bad rods. It's just, I, I guess I just never, it just didn't, yeah. the way it happened. I don't own an Akuma rod and I don't own, maybe that's it. I own, really? I own oh, everything. You else. name it. I own G Loomis. I own Dobbins. I own Powell. I rod yeah. Phoenix. And because every rod, you know, if I'm looking for a punch rod, dude, I went through like 10 different punch rods before I found the, and actually the punch rod I use is the Phoenix, but is the rod. Which one do you use? Uh, so a little twist of that. So it was the old, <laughs> it was the old M1 swim bait, medium heavy, eight foot swim, really? swim bait rod. But uh, the handle was too long. So when I found that rod, I used to use a Daiwa Steez, $750 amazing rod yeah. but i noticed that when when i first started punching 10 12 years ago whatever i had the diosties and i had a bunch before that too and i was losing too many on it and then i got the diosties and i was like okay my percentages are pretty good not where i want them to be but way better than anything i had well then i started punching a lot i need another punch rod well at the time i just had an eight foot medium heavy swim bait rod that yeah. this is going way back i'm like well shoot that's close enough i'll use it right now so the problem is the real handle was too far up so i was punching with that rod and I, and it's 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 not as I mean the steez is the most sensitive I mean it's almost eight hundred bucks yeah, for a rod yeah. right so but I realized that I was losing I, like every time I would lose one which was rare but it was on the steez and I was like huh so but I'm like but the problem with the eight foot swim bait rod is the handle's too long for it's for swim baits it's yeah, not for what yeah. and I still use that rod for swim baits so I said well let me call a rod maker so I called the rod maker and I said hey can you, if I had him send you this blank can you back the rod seat up and then rewrap the guides? Mm -hmm. So my, I have five identical punch rods. They're all eight foot medium heavy, but you can't even find them anymore actually. So they don't make it anymore. They changed the blank. The M1s okay. are now different, but it's the old eight foot medium heavy swim bait rods. And I had all of them customized to, to make it a flipping stick. Yeah. And then I, I got, Oh, let me, I don't know. My wife's next door. So I got to, it's not a, I'll call yeah, her. Right I'm now. gonna take. Can I use the restroom real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, there's yeah. a diet. Like, if they're gonna crash, I want to clean up. Okay, let me sure ask her. Really yeah, it's not a big deal. She's next door at the no, next. Door. Door crash. If they end up needing to crash my house, man. Oh, got it. Got up it. If coming over. Hey, did Paul come inside? We'll get back to the Phoenix yep. rod. So you you wrapped five rods. You had them custom wrapped for you from Phoenix. But the thing that I like you're talking about is you can't get one. It's. <sighs> If you so, have to, and don't get me wrong, yeah. if you're sponsored, you got to fucking do it. I get Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You but have to. In actuality, you're going to put fucking different rods together if uh, you can. And you here's know? the deal, right? So, like, I get it. You're sponsored. You have to use what you're using. But let's be honest. Look, look, at, the, look at the technology game. Look what Jacob Wheeler and Justin Lucas and a handful of them did. They said, hey, look, Hummingbird has a phenomenal feature, but Garmin has a different phenomenal feature. I need them both. If I'm only Garmin, I got this one cool feature, but I'm missing out on this other one or vice versa. Yes. So they're like, screw it. They gave up their sponsorships, getting paid. Just getting, to have both. Because they're like, I can win more money by not being sponsored and having both than I can by them paying me. And again, and I think, you know, when it goes to rods, I'm not, knock, again, I'm not knocking any one rod. Uh, that's not who I am. But I am saying that being realistic, 
who in the world thinks that one rod company is going to make 30 of the best for every technique when there's 50 rod company or who knows how many are out there right and it might not even be the rod company it might be like a custom rod like you did mm -hmm. you might be like i love this blank but i want this i need this on it and so so you know and i think like i look at that is that goes down to execution so for me like some people have asked me and now who knows where i am maybe you podcast me in a couple years and i'm maybe fishing on the elites and maybe but guess what you might be changing because you made a living for your family and Correct. you got to do what you have to do. Correct. So you might have to change your technique and you might have, I, I might run into that. Like if they yeah. go, Hey, you can't say fuck shit kind of anymore. Okay. Yeah. We're going to give you this much. I got to really think about it. Like yeah. if someone's going to give me, you know, a six figure contract, yeah. I'm going to be like, let me think about this, dude. Let me do, let me really think about this, you, you know, to, like for your family and it's, it's not, and, and that's nothing decision. against anyone that takes a sponsorship. Like Absolutely that, not. Know? No, that's a business decision. Yes, You'd be exact. I would be a fool. If any rod company came to me and said, we're going to pay you $30,000, $40,000, and I said no because I, I'd be a fool. I would take it and I'd say, I'm going to have to do the best that I can with what I have. But let's be honest. Take that off the table. Apples to apples. There's no money on the table. Yes. If you are fishing any one rod company, I don't care if it's whoever it is, it's G. Loomis, St. Croix, it doesn't matter, and, and everything else is identical. And somebody else has the best, you know, their punch rod is from over here and their chatterbait rod is from over here and their spinning rod is from over here. Yeah. From a percentage, which I'm all about percentages. I'm a math guy, finance guy, whatever. But in bass fishing, it's critical. It's all about percentages. It doesn't. I said this on the last podcast. I don't care. I, I go through this conversation so many times. I don't care what you catch. I don't care how big a fish you catch. I don't care if you caught a world record. I don't care if you, care if you caught 45 pounds. Mm -hmm. I care about what you lost. And I care about what your percentages are. So you might go out and beat me one day. Right, like I'll give you an example, and I, again, I say all this because you're asking these questions. You're not, I, I don't and, ever want to come off as like we're some, never we're not trying to shit on anyone. No, yeah, you're just giving me examples of things you've experienced, and and, and you're at, you're having me on asking me why I do yeah, what I do, yeah. and this is why I do it. Um, again, so I want to, I just I just don't ever want to come off as like prideful, cocky, or anything because I'm not. not at but all, dude. but if you're asking me why I do what I do, so at Almanor, I took 24th out of 32. Right, um, not great, not a great finish, but what I was happy on is. I hooked one fish on day one and I landed. I hooked six fish on day two, all smallmouth. They all jumped. I was seven for seven. A lot of my buddies fished it and who beat me? They got more bites. They knew how to fish for smallmouth better. But a lot of my buddies were losing 30 or 40% of the fish they hooked. Now they hooked enough of them to beat me, right? But does that mean that their execution was better than See, mine? See, this is a great outlook because that's the truth. It's like I might have hooked 10 or I landed six, lost three, but they lost 30. I you know what I'm saying? Like, Correct. So just because you beat me on weight doesn't mean your execution was better. Meaning you could – just because you beat me doesn't mean you can't improve on your execution. I might have had better execution. You just had way more bites because you knew where to go, right? Like – and so – or or you just knew – whatever whatever the case may be. Yeah. So what I can control is my execution. I can control my versatility. I can control my strategy. Um, and, and those are what I can control. So – for me, I think that's, um, you know, going back to like, hey, you asked me going back east, what, what is your plan? My plan is to strategize, to do all the research, all the homework, to be, you know, don't get me wrong. If I go back east, I'm on camera, it's fishing. You're going to, when I talk about percentages, if you see me lose a fish and you're like, oh, I thought he said, he, I never, I'm not saying I don't no, lose fish. No, but when we say percentages. Highest percentage yes. possible. So you're, if I'm, you're making sure that you don't fuck any of these things up. If you break a fish off, that's not in your control. Correct. You knew the line, the cook, the fucking, everything was correct. there. So, like, if I'm punching hydrilla, yeah. I should be 100%. Yeah. If I lose five fish out of 100, that's too many. Now, if I'm punching primrose, 
I've never seen it. I've never heard of it. I, I like if they get wrapped in the vines, you're gonna lose some. Now, so so that's where like okay, if I if I punch if I punch a primrose and I lose one here or there, that like that's that's like if you catch a fish in the middle of a tree. And you're trying to bring and it out. And you're learning. And, yeah. and you're still, you don't know it yet. Yeah. You don't know so, it yet. So, yeah. so, so, but, so like, but like, if you're telling me, man, I'm punching hydro and I'm, and I'm, 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 I'm catching 80, but I'm losing 20. I'd say, dude, you're way off. You mm-hmm. shouldn't be losing any, yeah. maybe one out of a hundred. Yeah. You shouldn't be losing them, period. Like even on a lot of, you know, like I differ on my approach to swim baits than probably anybody you've had on and the way I fight my fish, my drag, um, the rods I use. But when I analyze it, I go, well. I'm, I have a higher percentage of landing big giant swim bait fish, but you're doing it by percentages. So dudes are like, I don't want to lose a fucking fish. So they have, you know, 30 mm. pound, whatever they've have. You're like, if I bring it to 17 or 20 or whatever it might be, I know I have a bigger percentage. I know I could fight it out of there. I, you, you're, you're giving a 50, 50 of like, well, can I lose it? Can I not? So, can so I- yeah, well, actually a great question. I had a buddy who called me today and he was asking me about big swim baits toxic bait specifically and we were talking about something i said listen he said i because my approach to from what he was telling me was way different he wanted he was using braid and stuff and i don't use that but i said this he said i'm not losing any and i'm not missing any and then i said listen because we all set the hook different we all lean the different way we all have a different rod we all have different drags right so what i do and if you don't do it exactly how i do you might not have the same success as i do right like if you have a stiffer rod than me and i tell you use this hook set the hook this way set your drag this way you should be 95 percent. but if you set the hook 10 degrees different it's so weird because sometimes i'll set it like i feel comfortable set jerking to the right Mm -hmm. but sometimes you have to jerk up yeah or whatever it may be but so my my point was so my buddy and i said this i said listen if something works for you and you're flawless on it the only reason you should ever think about changing which the only reason is if you thought that what you're doing, that maybe you're flaw- your, everything you hook, you bring to the boat. That's great. That's, that's great. Mm-hmm. The only reason you should ever think about trying something different is if you think that what you're doing, maybe not giving you enough bites. So are, do you think that now if you're getting all the bites in the world and you're not losing them, I don't care what Kevin Van Dam, I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. If I'm 100% or 98, 99% yeah. on something, then I'm not going to change. Now, if you're getting twice the amount of bites as me, even though I'm 100%, maybe maybe you lose a few more, but you're like, dude, you're getting, you're, I'm getting 10 bites, you're getting 20. Uh, maybe I need to think. So if you're looking at like 10 landed, 20. But you uh, hook, no, I'm just saying, so like, you know, you're, you're, you're you hook 20, yeah. I hook 10. Now you might lose, maybe you're losing. Maybe I lost five. Maybe you're losing a few more than yeah. me, but you're also hooking double the amount. I might have to analyze yes. something. So my whole point in all this, if anybody can hear this from me saying this is, I'm oh, all this is processing in my head 24 seven when I, so it's not just like go out there and cast and hook a fish and whatever. Everything is like, wh- when I cast this lure, what are my chances of getting into the boat? Can I improve that? Can I do something to get more bites? Can I generate more bites? And if I do at what cost am I going to, what percentage, uh, am I going to break or lose off if I go up? So when I was at Clear Lake, I did pretty well at Clear Lake, uh, last month I took like 24th out of 230 on the amazing Cal yeah. open. And, uh, one of the ways I had to catch them was a little bit, I had to lighten it up a little bit in areas that you don't want to do that, but I weighed the cost. I broke off one or two fish and i knew i knew i went way lighter in line than i knew but i also knew that hey i broke off two fish but i also got 20 more bites than anybody else so it was worth the cost risk the, the risk reward analysis so like i do this risk reward analysis on everything and i do it on everything i do and so you know i'm a i don't know how life as well what's do you, what you do with life I, I, everything, everything have you ever seen that movie along came Polly? 
Yeah, long <laughs> you time got, ago. I hey, couldn't even tell you what it. Hey, I couldn't bro, even... watch it again. Not to you. <laughs> he fucking gets married to the girl. And he does analysis. Like uh, it's a fucking great movie. You're yeah, like, yeah. and it's like your new wife would probably laugh about it. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But no, that's a great way to 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 think about everything. Like, I mean, you you if you're doing it from you're doing it for a living. Yep. So you got to figure Perfect a different it. way out. Yes. I believe to be like in everything in life, I want to be the best possible. That doesn't mean I'm gonna be. That doesn't mean whatever. But when well, the end of my life, I don't care whether it's in my marriage, whether it's with my kids, being the best dad I can, whether it's whatever it is. I want every day I analyze. Like, I, like I'll be fishing or whatever it is I'm doing. I'm analyzing. Am I being the best dad? Am I being the best wife? Am I being the best fisherman? Am I being the best investment advisor I can possibly be? Am I being the best friend? Am I being the best son? Am I being the best? And I mean the best. Mm-hmm. So, and that's just in my nature. So, and I'm not saying like, again, I'm not saying I'm perfect or anything. I'm just saying. That's my mentality on everything. So when I'm trying to give a hundred percent of what you can get, yes, because 99 could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. It could change the difference of you being the best bass angler in the entire world and not even making the tour. 1%, you could be 99% on one tournament, the one tournament that gets you the breakthrough because you were 99%, not a hundred. You lost one fish and maybe you, now you don't make the tour and then you go back to a normal life. But if you would have caught that one fish that you lost halfway to the boat, you made the tour and then all of a sudden the next event you win and then you become the greatest angler of all time. So my, so every fish I lose, I analyze. It's critical to me. Like did I? Like I said, I lost two fish in this last tournament. How much GoPro footage do you have? Zero. I don't. Are do you GoPro. fucking serious? None. I actually am old school in that regard. I'm very secretive. I'm very quiet. I'm very. No, I would say to even self analyze myself. Yeah. No. Um. I will say though. Um. No. So I don't do that. But uh, I'm very aware of like everything. So I analyze. So like. So like for instance, will you come home when you do your notebook? And go, okay, I fished this area. Say I put six-pound floral on onto my fucking 15-pound braid to drop shot, and I got broke off twice, but... Uh, Good question. So when I log, when I log everything, I note, uh, or like I take notes every day I fish, I I log um, more in line with, and I've actually changed over time a little bit. I log where the, you know, like if I caught a fish that was solid, that was worth it. I'm not going to log a one-pounder. But like, if I caught a fish, what tide, what time of day, or you know, what the tide was doing, um, you know, what the weather was, uh, and whatnot. So when it comes to line and all that, I think it's because I fish so much. That's just logged a, in my brain. Yeah, yeah, it's like a muscle memory. Yeah, so I know, like, when I go to, I know. But what's not muscle memory is when you fish 200 days a year for years and years and years and years and years, and you think back, like, man, should I check that bank? I think I caught him in May there before on an outgoing tide, but. You fish four thousand days, and then you look back in your notes, and you're like, "Oh man, I was way off. That was actually yeah. March on a high yeah. tide." That's a massive difference, right? So, um, so that's what I log. But when it comes to, do you have anything that's like not IPA, like a four point or five? Because I'm gonna get fucking trash, and I'm gonna get in trouble. <laughs> you don't have anything that's not fucking huge, like. <clears throat> so, so when I, so I'll tell you this: what I do know is when I find something that works. Yeah. Like if I'm using Sunline Sniper or seven pound test for whatever, and it works, it will never change. And like, look at that, Phil. They still have the same fucking oh bottle, my dude. Gosh. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. I don't even want to look at that. Oh if we're trying gosh. to fish in the morning, I'm not looking at that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's funny. But so, yeah. It's, it's so, so, so like out. when I use the same, so even when, it, you know, you talked about rods earlier, same with my lines. So I use three different braids. I use, uh, I use three different braids. I use three different fluorocarbons. I use two different copoly. No, one different copolymer. I use two different monos because certain pound tests and whatever. So I'm not like I'm using Seaguar and Viz X for everything. 
Well, CVR and VizX is pretty good for certain things, but then there's lines that are better for high impact. Um, there's line, it's taken me years to figure this out. There's lines that are better um, for casting. There's lines that are better for different things, right? So like I use Sniper for 12 pound test less. I mm -hmm. use uh, a Brazex for certain things. I use, um, actually it's funny. I don't even own braid over 50 pound test. And I live on the Delta and I punch and frog. Um, but I what use, do you punch with on the on uh, 50 pound, um, 832, uh, 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 who makes 832? Suffix 832. Really? But see, I punch with a softer rod and lighter drag than anybody I know. What kind of reel are you using? Uh, I use a nine. Well, I use like three different ones. I use a nine to one rocket. I have three of those. Fuck, really? And then, yeah, I know some people are. So here's the thing, right? You hear people talk about punching and lower. So the closest I can get to punching is uh, will sometimes in the kelp down in, in oh, okay. Calico. We'll throw into the kelp, kind of let the lead head drop down in the kelp to the bottom of the stringers. Kind of the same shit. Okay, yeah. You know, but I'm using like a seven to one. But you might have a better technique. So like a so, nine to one might make sure you're going to rip that fucker out quick. Well, here's you know, the like, thing. So here's my thought. And me and Justin Lucas, we're really good friends. Uh -huh. um, and we had this conversation. So um, I, there's a lot of guys, really good punchers that, I, you know, what works for them works for them. I'm not saying whatever, but they'll tell you lower gear ratio, you have more power. But here's the thing. The torque. You're looking yeah, but the torque. But here's the thing. I've never in my life used the reel to get the fish out. I use the rod. I lift with the rod yeah, and yeah, reel. I don't keep my – so torque would only matter if you left your rod in one position and you cranked. Then torque would matter. That's not how I punch a fish out. I lift up and get him out with the rod, mm -hmm. and then I reel the slack down. Yeah. So the only reason I want the 9 to 1 is I want to pick up every inch of line as quick as possible, especially if he gets out of the mat and it runs to me. I don't want slack line. So now I don't know. Maybe other people do it different, but for me, when you really think about it, any fish I fight, period. I don't fight any of them with the reel. I pull and then reel. Pull, reel. That, maybe that's me. Everybody's doing that. I mean, I, I'm, That's the only right? way I've ever seen anybody. And then you reel. Yeah, but yeah. you don't set the hook and just keep it in one You pull it and then reel down the yeah, slack. Yeah, but you're, everyone does right? that. And, yeah. so, and I think, you know, I, I was telling my buddy this too today on the phone. He was, we were talking about big baits. And I said, dude, I'm telling you right now, you want to get better at percentage execution in big fish, go striper fishing every single day you can in October and November and catch every striper you can on big baits. What size reel are you using when you're striper fishing? Uh, I use all my bass stuff and I catch so like up to 30 pounds. Seven to one, nine to one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, the only thing I use a nine to one for on the Delta is flipping. I do use like an eight to one on a frog. Um, that's only because they don't make a nine to you one. You think I can catch a striper tomorrow? I'm going tomorrow. Uh, have you seen I this? Look at Have you seen Tanner's bait or no? Oh, wait, whose bait is that? Uh, Finn Bait Custom. I can hook you up with him. Dude, I'll throw that. I, hey, if you want to go strike, hey, look, you'll get, my, hey, you'll get my blood boiling here. Or not boiling. So look at that. That's, he's he's a so uh, big Rob down south. He's a big striper guy. Ooh. They fish those. You know that dude, What's North, that, like North Cal Cat? 16 inches? What is North, that? Uh, I don't know. It's big. It's Holy called the Big Grandpa. smokes. Um. NorCal Cat. You know that guy? I don't know. He's a striper guy up here. Okay. No, Delta. Oh, fuck. He's a, who's a big striper guy up here? He was on Jake's podcast. Oh. Uh, Delta something. Okay. I think I know who you're talking about, but I. He fishes He fishes that bait, too. Jeez, up here. dude. That so it's all is. balsa wood, so you, he made it so you could throw a lighter rod on it. So if you want to catch some on this and you don't catch any tomorrow, come back in October, November <laughs> with me. Hey, I'm gonna tell you something. I get ex you want to. I get excited talking about stripers. I love stripers too. I get. I, ex I get. <laughs> I don't want to sound cocky here, but I murder stripers. You like, eat them. 
I do. I, I love, keep, I'll keep. I'll fucking eat stripers. It's yeah, fine. no, no, I do. No, oh, absolutely. I'm not ashamed to say it at all. <laughs> I'll keep my one or two here and there, but I'll go out and catch 80 stripers in a day, and sometimes not keep any. Sometimes I'll keep one or two. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I take people out, and I'll have them keep their limit. But we had a day. I might have told you this last time. We had a day. I kid you not. I'm not an exaggerator. We count. I keep track. I hate when people exaggerate. My best friend and I, the most epic day in my entire life, we caught 209 stripers in one day. I caught you a, and Tanner are both big stripers. Stri- yeah, Tanner yeah. knows Tanner's, how to catch it. Yes. Tanner's yeah, 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 Tanner knows what's up. Tanner knows I got to get Tanner up. back on, too. He, he, I think his, he, I didn't get him up. But I, I wanted to break this time, guys. <laughs> I want to go fishing tomorrow with for Caesar sure. for a little bit. For sure. You know, so, and then go to dinner with the wife. But both of you guys, like, Oh, dude. great. If but, you guys want to listen, listen back to that episode. He does. We cut him off and we're drunk, but he does give some good nuggets yeah. of information. And, and, and I'll, and I'll go back to, I'll get back to the bass. But the reason I told him to go striper fishing is because I think, so I just got back from Yosemite and I was trout fishing the last four days. I caught mm-hmm. a couple of nice, really nice, uh, Browns. And I think fishing for stripers has made me such a better bass fisherman because it's taught me how to fight big fish. So many guys lose them. Big baits, big baits, big fish, lose them. Oh, you're going to lose them. And I'm, again, look, I might be on camera someday and you might be seeing me lose a big one. I'm not saying I'm perfect. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I am saying I very rarely lose them on big baits, big trouble hooks, big everything. But because I fish for big stripers, yes. you can't horse a 25-pound striper in. You can't, like, or at least I can't. So, But I but I learned that when I don't horse them, I catch them. So I treat an 8, 9-pound largemouth on a big bait the same way. Now, and again, I'm not knocking anybody else. I'm not knocking anybody you've probably had on your past. I know you've, you've had a lot of big swim bait guys on. But this is the big difference. This is why I like having the, you on. Yeah. So you I'm do it different as a different. tournament angler. Yeah. And even I want a next question. We'll keep finishing yeah. and I have another question. So for I was going to say, like, I use a softer rod. I okay. use softer drag than any swim bait guy I know. They look at my rod and they're like, dude, are you kidding me? But I'm like, but I don't lose them. Yeah. So if I put them in the net, that's all that matters. But you learned right? how to fight them. But I learned how to fight them. Mm-hmm. And I learned by catching so many eight to 20 pound stripers on big baits that you can't horse them. And so if I can't horse them, then how do I fight them without losing yes. them? And that's really helped me. Or even trout fishing in the mountains. I'm using four or five, six pound <laughs> tests and ripping current on these beautiful browns uh, with barbless hooks and I can't lose them. And so that's on the opposite side of the spectrum of just fighting fish. It's about fighting fish. And I think so many bass fishermen, and I, and again, I'm not saying anybody in specific. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just saying I think so many bass fishermen don't know how to fight fish. They get into fishing, bass fishing, and all they see is set the hook reel as fast as you can. And there's time to do that. You see me punch a lot of fish, you're going to see Phil set the hook and the fish is in the boat but in three seconds. But that's punch. Your technique's different. Punching is like you're Correct. pulling it out of that shit. You need to get it out quick yeah, as you and can. And you have momentum on yes. your side. Yes. He's coming. You're, you're, you're close combat. You get him in the net or you flip him in the boat right now. But if I'm out 80 feet on a cast... Uh, whether it's a big toxic bait swim bait a uh, big single hook i don't care what it is um there's a proper way to fight it and i just think that for me catching thousands and thousands of stripers has really taught me how to catch and i translate that and now i catch these giant largemouth and like i said i do it different than a lot of people but um i all that matters Are you is do percentage. it this is a cool thing i feel like you do it as a tournament angler catching a uh, big swim bait fish because you got dudes like uh oliver nice mm-hmm. he's fishing he's trying to do the opens he might be fishing that bait as a uh, as a swim bait fisherman trying to fish. Mm-hmm. Much. Maybe not. I don't know. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, like, you grew up fishing like a tournament style for yep. a long time. Yep. So the other thing I have for you now is that um, I've asked Palinick, I've asked Oliver, um, you are incorporating the big bait into your game when you fish mm, on the Delta. Anywhere. Um, how much has that played a factor into you winning? 
or even you doing good. Like how you said, hey, this crankdown's going to work fucking perfect. I'm going to hit it right mm-hmm. here. Like how many times have per- you had to go to the big bait? Perfect. The, 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 I literally had this conversation earlier today. It's almost like a pre-podcast with a buddy. <laughs> he was asking me the same questions. Um, the greatest thing I ever learned. So I, you know, I was the first one to ever own a toxic base when me, Tanner and Caesar. Yeah. This goes back, gosh, maybe 15 years. Almost. Yeah. And then they talk all the time. You guys talk right? about it. All so, yeah. uh, it's, this is 15 years of built up learning, struggling, you know, all the, everything in between. The biggest advice I have for somebody when it comes to big swim baits as a tournament fisherman, yes, I'm only a tournament fisherman. Tournament. I'm not a non-tournament. I'm only, I'm a hundred percent tournament guy. I'm not a big, big bass guy that I'm out there just chasing. I mean, I want to catch big bass in tournaments, yeah. but you know what I'm saying? The biggest advice I can get is know when to put it down. Don't. And here's what I've transitioned to a lot. I've won a lot of money on toxic baits and, and swim baits, all swim baits, single hook, top hook talons, different things. Um, I, mean, I haven't thrown a lot of HUDs or anything like that, um, which is kind of weird as much as I throw swim baits, but um, I've thrown a lot of big baits and won a lot of money on it. I've also killed myself on it more times than not. And it took me 10 years to realize a swim bait to me, if for me, not like I said, this is the way that I fish now is one of my 25 rods. I don't plan on going out. So, and I told myself, do not ever go into a tournament, especially multi-day tournament, thinking you're going to win on a big swim bait. Yeah, that's one in a hundred. Now, could I win because of the swim bait? Could I have caught one, three, five, seven fish out of fifteen on it? Absolutely. But I want to go into every tournament. This is the way I do it because I've learned the hard way so many times, especially on a multi-day event. Yeah, I want to go into a tournament knowing that um, that I found winning fish in an area. And I was able to catch them in practice or figure out how to get a couple of the right bites. And I have no clue how I'm going to catch them on game day. I just know where they live and when they eat. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to roll up with 25 rods, and one or two or three of them will be a big swim bait. And if and when I throw it, I might make zero cast, one cast, 10 cast, 100 cast, or 400 cast a day with a big swim bait. And I don't know before the day even starts. I don't even know when I go out. Yeah. I did the tournaments where I said, I'm going out throwing a toxic bait eight hours a day. And I came in with my tail between my legs going, I just blew my whole entire FLW that I waited 12 months for on day one because oh, because it didn't work. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. I've thrown it all day and weighed 30-pound bags and won tournaments on it. Yeah. So I learned when to throw it and when not to throw it. And to me, all it is is become is a tool that's in my tool bag. That's it. There's no, It's no more, no less. So when I pull it out, it's like if you have a tool bag and you're a, a, a construction, a, a worker, construction right? worker. And, and I say, Nick. How bad do I need to lose this? And I keep talking to you about a screwdriver, and you're like, well, yeah, you need to learn it. But, but here's a hammer, bro. <laughs> but you, you also need to how to use it as this wrench and, yeah. this, and, this, and this hammer and, and this, this saw and all this stuff. Like, yeah, I'm glad that you want to know about the, that. But once you learn it, you put it in your tool bag, and you don't take it out until you need it. And so you learn in general what are the time of years that it's most effective, Conditions, right? Right. Conditions. Mm-hmm. And then that might come out a little bit more. And then even in the times – and then you learn in the times of year when it's not effective at all zero effectiveness or as close to zero as possible then it hey, might not percentages. be percentages it's exactly right <laughs> and then you know right when hey it's not the worst time it's not the best time but i'm gonna have it on the deck and i may make two casts the entire day with it but i won the tournament because one of those two casts that looked perfect for it it wasn't the ideal time of year but it was like hey that position like for instance everybody knows a crankbait is better in colder water Right. I mean, for the, for the most part, there's, there's the outliers, yeah. there's the deep diving that they get on the summer ledges and stuff. But I'm talking about like most people know, it, even statistically, your biggest crankbait fish are going to come in colder water. Yeah. So, uh, but I'll have a square bill on 12 months a year. Now I'm going to focus on it and lean on it maybe more in, you know, February, March, April, May, yeah. June. But 
I might pick it up in August when I'm frogging and punching all day. And that's how I don't even think about a crankbait. But I roll up and I, maybe I'm in between a frog and a punch spot. And I'm like, damn, look at the way the current's hitting that little weed edge right there. Let me make two casts with that crankbait. Oh, there's a three and a quarter. Yeah. I won the tournament by a half pound and I pulled out a two with the three and a quarter because the crankbait. Yes. I weighed my four biggest on the frog and the punch. But that crankbait, which I didn't even – I just had it on the deck because I knew that maybe somewhere out through the day I might use it. Yeah. And so that's the way I fish a swim bait. Um, I know some guys are different, but if, if you're in a tournament mode like I am, so I'm different than the big bass chaser who's I'm going out throwing this all day long, Yeah, it's going to be on my deck because it's a tool. And then, again, there's maybe two or three months a year where it's not on my deck at all because it's, it's not even effective. It's yeah. just like I'm not yeah. – for me, now maybe for somebody else, I'm not going to throw a, a, a big wake bait in December or January. But the big thing that plays into all, everything you're talking about is percentages, man. Like you're, you're taking exactly everything right. and going – what is this going to do? You have 25 Correct. rods. How many percentage? What am I going to get bit? Correct. So you got numbers in your fucking head. And All you're day. Looking at 25 rods and going. Yep. Like a fucking scale. And, and so you're right. So not only does it go by time of year. So if you said, Phil, it's January on the Delta. I'm going to tell you the five most high percentage baits. But there might be another five. Or ten or fifteen that, that are fifty percent. Yeah, or they're know, like, lower. Yeah, they're yeah. lower than that, but they have a very strategic, a very key cast. Where I'm like, you know, I wasn't planning on throwing this bait very much at all, but there's one cast that just looks perfect. And guess what? There was that one fish there. And so that goes percentages going percentages go into execution, but they also go into baits of like play, like right. So I don't punch much in. I do punch some, but I, I really punch twelve months a year. But but like maybe I don't punch as much in January. Okay. Right. Yeah. So. The percentages of winning a tournament punching on the Delta in January, at least, I mean, maybe somebody can tell me different. 15% or 10%. Uh, probably less. Okay. Probably less. Probably 2% or 1% or but. 0 But But so what I'm saying is so <laughs> when I look at that extreme percentage, I might have one rigged in my rod locker. It probably ain't coming out because that's the almost zero. But now if there's something that gives me a 20% or don't but, get, but don't get me wrong, it's in my rod locker. So like a 20% it's, rod bait setup would be like a drop shot. Every, every, yeah, drop shot at 12 months a year. That's like 25% year round. Yeah, all the time. And there's certain times yeah, a year yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. way more effective. Yes. And then there's certain but it's always effective. But this is a cool thing the way you break down the percentages is like I I think something I'd go, "Hey, here's a couple of baits. Yeah, I'm going to time up. I think this is going to I didn't. I don't go break down it like you're taking each bait and going. This fucking drop shot. When this line's gonna give me this much. This is gonna. That's a fucking. So big let me get, let me give you a, let me give you a let me give you a thought. Okay. You think of up north smallmouth fishing. Smallmouth fishing. Mm-hmm. First thing that comes to your mind. I don't know what what comes to your mind. Spinnerbait. Uh, what else? You're on the Great uh, Lakes. Uh, tube. Okay. Because I've caught them on. Who now? Who? What names come little, to your mind? Uh, what names come to your mind? Uh, the owner fucking tube hooks, you know, a little like Okay, a, yeah. but what about elite anglers come to your mind? We're smallmouth small country. Smallmouth uh, country. I don't fucking know. Okay, well, so my okay, my point is this. Yeah. My point is this. You might think of, hey, we're going largemouth flipping. There's a lake. It's dirty. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a flipping lake. So you go into the lake. Everybody knows, if you're an elite angler, everybody knows. We're going into smallmouth territory. It's crystal clear. It's going to be a finesse deal. Uh, five, six names come to your na- name. Justin Lucas, Josh Bertrand, okay. you know, Aaron Martins, whatever. Why do they come to your name? Why do they come to, your, to the forefront of your mind? Because they're doing the high percentage things. The reason you may not – I'm not even going to say any name even though I don't know them because I don't want to say anything negative about anybody. Yeah. But the reason you may not think of some anglers is because you know and I know and the whole world they're knows – They're not going to hit them. They're stubborn and they're a flipper. 
and 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 it's like, do you really think you're going to go win in small mouth country with a flipping stick or or a reaction bait? Like, could you catch some fish? Yeah, but we already know the tournament's going to be won on a drop shot or a net rig yeah, before yeah, the tournament yeah. started. Yeah. Maybe a rip bait, maybe whatever, right? Or vice versa. You go down to Okeechobee, you think of whoever you think of, you know, the, the Lane brothers or whatever, right? Why don't you think of the finesse guy? So my point is... You need to know that, hey, I can't be a finesse guy. I don't ever want to be deemed. I never want to be deemed a Delta guy. Well, I don't. That's why I'm trying to get out. I don't want to be deemed a Delta guy. Why don't I want to be deemed? Because I don't want to be just known like, hey, if they go to the Delta, you can catch them. Well, what about if I go to Clear Lake? Am I not? Am I, I want to be, be able to catch I them be, anywhere. Do I want to be known as, hey, man, if the punch bite is good, Phil can win? No, I want to be known as, dude, it doesn't matter what time of year it is, what the elements are, he can win. Why? Yeah. Not because he's a puncher. I love to punch. It's my favorite way to catch him. But because of versatility. That's why I have 25 rods and I'm comfortable, not just have them. I'm comfortable. So, you know, you, you have, and I think, like I said, you go back, I mean, look at, again, it, you, there's a lot of elite anglers you can, that are, you know, they, they even brand themselves that I'm a shallow water bank. Beat, yes. Or I'm a deep water ledge guy. Or ish. Yeah. Ish what is do you know? Phenomenal yeah. power fisherman. Dude, that's what you know him for. Dude, ish is a hammer. He's a power fisherman and I'm yeah. not, not, ish is cool. I love Ish. I yeah. mean, I've got to really, and I can't say I got to know him much more, but I've talked to him a little bit more in the last yeah. year. But, like, he would probably tell you that most of his money is one power fishing, yeah, right? Exactly. But so for me, like, I don't, if I'm going to start my career at 33 and trying to go back east, I don't want to be known as that. And look, a great example. Look at Mark Daniels. Mm -hmm. Mark Daniels came from the California Delta. Yeah. Puncher, frog, heavy, power, get in there, dirty, freaking get in the weeds, get in all that. But he goes up to smallmouth country and he wins. You know, he won at uh, was it Oha or whatever it was. And yeah. Whatever, and he's and he's a threat there. And so that to me is that's what I look at in a bass fisherman. Like he's well rounded, right? The guy can do everything and he can win at everything. And that's and I think that's the key in this day and age. If you're trying to be a tournament bass angler and you want to be the best, I'll tell you this: if you want to be the best, you better get comfortable with every technique, flat out. Period. Like period. You better get ready with yeah. every technique. Work on your execution because here's the thing, the day and age of the old school, which I love the old, I'm more of the old school mentality, although I've learned that you have better embrace new school. Mm -hmm. So the old school mentality before the internet, keep everything to yourself, whatever. And now you have this new school mentality and they got YouTube, they got podcasts, they got all these things. And so the, the, the <laughs> separation of somebody who is dominant and not is the separation is getting less and less because of YouTube, the internet podcast, all that. So if you are going to separate yourself, you better, you, you have like for me, how am I like when I think of myself, how am I going to separate myself? It can't be a bait because everybody now knows about every bait. It can't be uh, whatever. It has to be everything across the board. Every detail. I was talking about this outside earlier. The little details are the biggest differences in any, if you're a professional athlete in any sport, yeah. it's the littlest details that are the difference between the Floyd Mayweather's and the Mike Tyson's. And it's the, it's not the big things. If you're, cause you either have, okay. So like you either have it or you don't. It's almost like a work ethic. Yeah. It, 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 it's exactly what I'm saying. But like yeah. you either have it or you don't, right? Like in yeah. certain things you're either like, like, look, I'm not a golfer. I tried a couple times. I literally couldn't even hit the ball off the ground at the thing. <laughs> so I don't have it. Now you have a big group of guys that have it. Now, what's the difference between the guys that have it? The difference between the Tiger Woods and whoever else is the little details, the extra work, yeah. the extra, the extra film they're watching, yes. the extra. So there's, you could say there's thousands of guys who have it. Yeah. But then what separates those guys? 
right? So in bass fishing, it's the same thing. There's some guys that just aren't made to fish. Yeah. And then there's thousands of guys that are made to fish. And what's going to separate me from those thousands? And it's got to be every single detail of every single thing I do. All the way down to it, people were kind of making jokes about it. It was kind of funny. But when we were at Almanor, they were like, dude, they were like nicknaming me Mr. Spare. Because I had a spare lower unit, two spare props, a spare power panel, a spare trolling motor, um, uh, two spare batteries, one spare battery in my boat 24-7, one spare battery in my truck, and I have all these spare things, and my thing is like, that could be the difference of my entire fishing career. One day, I could break down, and it could be the difference of me not winning a tournament or me winning and then qualifying to something. And so, like, you know, those are the things I can control. I can control having another lower unit, another power, whatever. And so, you know, you do everything you can. Um, you, you, you know, so anyway, I know I'm probably on a tangent right now, but what are no, 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 questions no. that you had? And I, I know it's, no, that was, I mean, you've, you've answered all my shit, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. You did ask me about tides. I know you mentioned about tides. I'll say this. The one thing about tides. Yeah. I think I said it last time. Tides are the best way to understand tides or tides are imagine a dinner table and imagine how many times a day do you eat you, me, whatever. Yeah. You know, we all might occasionally eat something when it comes by. Right. But there's set times. Nick is going to probably eat somewhere around whatever that yeah, time that is. 10, 12, whatever. 4, 5, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. And you're going to be at that dinner table yeah. at 4 o'clock. Guess where you're not going to be at 3 o'clock. You're not going to be at that <laughs> dinner table. Right? You're not going to be at that dinner or table at 3. I'm going to be there maybe 5 minutes before. You might be there at 4.55 yeah. if you're going to eat at 5. Like yeah. you're sitting down your wife's putting the food on the table and you're like, whatever. <laughs> right? But like you're not going to be there at 2.30. No. And that's what tides do on the Delta. So what people don't understand is... It's a dinner table everywhere you go. And they don't all eat at the same time, yeah, just yeah. like human beings. Some people eat at 8 at night. Some people eat at 4 at night. Some people eat at 10, 7, 6. So you need to know on each spot. And the tide actually tells you why yeah. they're there and when they're there. It's the perfect opportunity for them to eat. Yeah. On And every area is different. Not even area. You can take Frank's track. Yeah. You can fish Frank's track eight hours a day. Now, they might eat on this side, on that Thule point, on 30 minutes a day. But then on the back side, they eat on a different 30 minutes a day yeah. because of the way the, the tide is and the depth and the drop-off and the t- and speed of flow. I think speed of flow is maybe one of the most underrated or under-talked about things when it comes to tide. Everybody talks about der- incoming or outgoing, but nobody talks about speed of flow. Speed of flow is massive. Well, how fast is the tide moving? That's the juice. You need big tide drops, small tide drops. Well, it's, like it's all different depending on time of year, but there is a magical speed of flow. Yeah. So – when that speed of flow hits is, 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 is very important. So I think for people need to understand that if you're going to come to the Delta, you're going to look at tides. It's not that there's one tide that's better. When I ran 265 miles in three days, it wasn't because I was chasing one yeah. tide. It was because I knew that, hey, over here they eat on the high switch. Over here they eat on the high alco. Over here they eat on the low switch. Over here they eat on the medium income. Over here they eat on this. And I need to be on all those places at the best perfectly time that they eat. right? And so when it comes to tides and breaking down the Delta, don't get me wrong, there's tides there's overall tides yeah. that are like, hey, this time of year, this tide is generally the best. But that doesn't mean you can't win on another tide. Or, But you have to learn what are you going to do on these other tides yeah, or times yeah. of day and stuff. And so, um, so it all plays back to what you're saying, <laughs> percentages, bro. Like that's, I think if I, you could take anything away from this podcast, percentages. it would be percentages from what you're saying. Percentage. And everything, right? Execution percentage. That's huge. Dude. Nobody talks about it. So, again, remember this if you're listening. I don't care, or you, and I don't say this disrespectfully. I say this to help people. It doesn't matter what you caught. 99 out of 100 people that have these conversations with me, they always want to tell me what they caught. But, Phil, I caught 35 pounds. But, Phil, I won a tournament. But, Phil, I caught a 12-pounder. But, Phil, I, I, I won so much money. 
that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. What matters is what you lost and what your percentages is. All I care about at the end of the day is I don't care if somebody won less money than you on that technique specifically. What was their percentage out of per hundred fish? Yes. If you hooked a hundred fish, how many you landed in the net? I don't care how much money. So like I remember um, when I used to watch Kevin Van Dam. Mm hmm. I think I said this in the last podcast too. When I used to watch Kevin Van Dam, I noticed for years and years, you watch him on TV, and when, especially when it was super hot, the guy never lost a fish on a treble hook. Never lost a fish. Mm-hmm. Like it was like I'm sure he did, obviously, but it's like he never lost one. Yeah. And then you see these other guys and 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 Kevin Van Dam wins. Kevin Van Dam wins. He wins by one pound. He beats this guy out. That guy lost a fish. That guy lost a fish. That guy lost. Why didn't Kevin lose a fish? Yeah. So then I was like, okay, listen, no disrespect to Kevin. He's the greatest of all time, but I don't care what Kevin has to say about flipping. I don't care what Kevin has to say about single hook baits. I don't care what Kevin has to say about finesse because that's not what he does. Trouble. And that's not what <laughs> that. So if Kevin was trying to tell me about punching and, and this is zero disrespect to him, this would go with anybody. Like if I, I wouldn't, and again, I say this respectfully, I wouldn't go to Ishman Rowe looking to figure out how to catch him on five pound test on a spinning rod. Exactly. I'd go to Ishman Rowe if I want to learn how to, Hey, maybe what do I need to do better on a frog or punching yes. or whatever. Yeah. Right. And so I looked at Kevin, I was like, what is he doing that he's losing less than everybody else? His percentages are higher on a treble hook. So I looked at his rod. I looked at his, I listened to everything he ever had to say about his hooks, his line, his rods, the way he fights his fish. So I did that and I learned that, okay, treble hooks, I'm not losing fish anymore. And then when I go to punching, and it's not even somebody who wins a lot of money. I think this is where you got to be very careful too. It's not about how much you can look at an elite angler and say that guy's known for flipping, but that still doesn't mean his percentages are great. He might just be a phenomenal. He understands flipping, he understands where they live, he understands how to get the bites, but he still might not be the best percentage-wise, right? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if that makes sense or no, it does. Whatever, it but does. It's like it, it does. So yeah. So and especially think- with fish, because you're looking at numbers. You're not looking at just one fish. Correct. You're not looking at a knockout. You're looking at how many fish did you catch that day? How many did you lose? How many? You know, Correct. Like- and then, and then again, and then percentages even go to strategy. Like, like, like I said, when I went in this tournament, I knew that if I swung for the fence on day one, that my per- that I had maybe a fifty percent chance that I bombed. My entire season is over on one day. Yeah. So that was a percentage. That's a fifty yeah. percent thing, right? But I also knew that I've I could probably do everything in my power outside of that, and maybe or I, I felt like I could. I felt like I had a ninety percent chance of making the top ten of getting to thir- not leading it yeah. after day two, but getting to thirty six pounds yeah. by doing a whole lot of other stuff. But it all goes back to percent. And so for me. I mean, maybe that's different for other people, but for me, that's the way I fish. That's the way I analyze. That's the way I process. No, it makes sense, dude. And fucking uh, great podcast, bro. Glad I appreciate it. Yeah. um, You you have any sponsors you want to plug? Yeah. I always want to thank Toxic Baits. They've been in Caesar and Toxic Baits have been there from day one. Um, I told you guys earlier that when it came to rods and lines and stuff that, um, you know, that I, that I, I, I use everything. Um, I will say, I truly believe when it comes to hard bait, wake baits, I just flat. I've used everything. MS slammers. I've used AC. I've used it all. And I just don't think there's anything better than a toxic bait. So toxic bait, Bobby D's. Um, he's been making all of my spinner baits, vibrating jigs, uh, uh, jigs um, for, and he even makes a lot of my heads, like swim bait heads, mm-hmm. hooks, and stuff. Uh, thank him because he's he's. I've won so much money on his stuff. That's what I use. Um, they're really the only two. And then Arbor Wealth Management, which is my company. Um, nice. Uh, so anybody out there that uh, bass fisherman hunter or you don't have to be any of them. But um, <laughs> but uh, if you're ever looking for investment management or anything, that's what we do. Uh, 28 years and going. My uncle started the firm. There's four of us and family operation. What about um, Instagram? Stuff like that. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, that's a great. That's pathetic that I don't know. I think it's just that Phil Dutra. I think, I think it is. I'll tell you right simple. here. It is. Da, 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 da. 
Here it is. Profile. Dutra Fishing. There you go. D-U-T-R-A-F-I-S-H-I-N-G. Follow me on Instagram. I kind of slowly transitioned it this year to my Instagram to being really dedicated to just fishing. Okay. I used to get into it. Everybody knows I'm very political, very a lot of things. <laughs> um, but I have kind of said, you know what? For Instagram, I'm going to designate it mostly That's just good. for fishing. And then, you know, I'll do my other stuff on other platforms. Yeah. So. Appreciate it, bro. I appreciate you coming back on. Thank you. Congrats. Thank you. I hope the next time you come, we talk about your uh, your full on win from FLW. Ah, uh, thank you. And I hope <laughs> next time we talk, I'm like qualified for the uh, tour back east. <laughs> All so, right. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Nick. Take care. <laughs>